Hello, friends. This is Christy Robillard for the Virtue Podcast, and we have just concluded our studies in Acts and are now beginning our summer small group gathering time. Whatever your plans involve for the summer, I've really been praying that you'll choose what matters most. There are so many options from doing nothing to doing something that has the potential to be life-changing. You know, it's so often during our studies in Acts, I reflected on this, how the believers' lives were changed and how they wanted to be a part of changing others' lives. They understood their times and their opportunities. So they stayed focused on what matters most, no matter what. Life was complicated, but they were stewarding a fresh and living understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. Did they fully realize how history would remember them? Probably not. But what I remember about them is they pursued what matters most every day. I've really pondered over this the last months. And how can I better pursue what matters most? How should I process this? And so in my pondering and processing, I've settled on three simple points about what matters most. And so this is actually the title for this podcast too. What matters most? Is this a statement or is this a question? It's really both, and both are equally as important, especially as we witness what appear to be birth pangs of the last days. We need to remind ourselves daily of what matters most and also ask ourselves in specific situations, what matters most right now? Do I let it go? Do I do something? How should I respond? What really matters most? Every day we have competitors, not just for what occupies our time and energy, but for our responses to our hopes and fears. Battles are won and lost every day in this realm and the believer's life. Believers who win these battles more than they lose understand what matters most and remind themselves of this daily. If you realize you are losing these battles more often than you are winning, this is the good news. Today, you can begin changing that scorecard. So I have three points to share with you that I believe can really be helpful. I have a real passion for staying focused and seeing through the confusion that Satan is creating, especially today. I see God. I choose to see what he's doing, and I believe him above all. So for our first point, I'm going to turn the tables a little bit, because when we know what matters most to the Lord, everything else that I'm going to share will fall into place. And it's this knowledge that is our foundation. What matters most to us is him, but what matters most to him is us. And we must never forget or minimize this foundational truth. He knew us before we knew him, Jeremiah 1.5. He loved us before we loved him, 1 John 4.19. He called us before we called on him, John 15.16. And he was crucified before the foundation of the world, having you and me on his mind, Revelation 13a. We matter most to him. 
And again, to minimize this is to minimize the whole point of his coming into his creation. This is our foundation. We know that we matter most to God because he gave his one and only son for us, for you, for me. It's the only explanation that scripture gives for the purpose of the cross. I have one and only one child. I have a son. And I can tell you, there isn't one person on this earth that I love enough that I would give him up for. Not even one. And so because God did this thing, I know for a fact what matters most to him. It's you and it's me. And this knowledge abides within us. His spirit bearing witness with our spirit. This is what Romans 8, 16 tells us. You are the love of his life, his favorite, his first choice. And maybe you've never been someone's first choice or best choice or the love of someone's life. Maybe you feel second best or even last or worse, a bit of a leftover. The truth that you are what matters most to the Lord, is better, is greater, is superior to any other thoughts or experiences you have had. You must know that what matters most to the Lord is you. And that's the truth based on the word of God in John three sixteen, which leads me to my second point about what matters most, understanding his infallible word and infinite power. We must do more than just know God's word. We must understand and be fluid with it because life is moving quickly. Change is the new norm. So as we consider what matters most each day, there's only one trustworthy, unchanging source, the word of God. This quote says it best. Trust God's word and his power more than you trust your own feelings and experiences. Samuel Rutherford said this, Feelings and experiences are in constant flux. They are in constant motion. One day our feelings can affect our experiences, and the next day our experiences can affect our feelings, right? When you doubt and have anxiety about your future, You are trusting yourself more than God and his word and his power. How do I know this? Because I used to struggle with cares and concerns and anxieties many years ago. But when I began to really study God's word, it got into me. I became acquainted with him intimately through his word, and I was transformed by it. I'm not the worrier who struggles with anxieties that I used to be. Do I ever experience anxious moments? Of course, life happens and curveballs are thrown every day, but I don't react in anxiety or continue with anxious thoughts anymore. The transformation didn't happen overnight, but it did happen. The more of his word that I consumed, the more I witnessed his transforming power in my life. The word of God had power to change me. And it can change you too. And I want to address something now that is a bit of a sensitive topic. We know there is an epidemic of anxiety in society. And it's become a bit of a white elephant in the church too. Anxiety was on the rise way before the viral pandemic. But now it's off the charts. And mostly among young adults, but not exclusively. 
And I understand anxiety, as I've already shared. And I also understand the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder, so I don't make light of this. And I'm not dismissive of medical and psychiatric illnesses at all. But do you realize anxiety is often a learned response to difficult and stressful situations? I learned anxiety responses and behaviors from someone. But as I said, the word of God taught me a better way. And this is actually the good news because if we can learn it, we can also unlearn these anxious responses. There is a strong push by the voices to influence people into overreacting to even minimal levels of stress or even just perceptions about what may happen in a perceived situation in a negative way. It's called conditioning. And the mastermind of this conditioning is Satan. And he has plenty of helpers in the demonic realm and even your average Joe on social media. Anxiety is the result of thinking. Nothing good can come from something which doesn't go your short-sighted way. Anxiety changes only one thing, you. It makes you an unreliable mess. Anxiety has never changed one circumstance for the better. And if you struggle with anxiety... (laughs) Don't become anxious right now over your anxiety struggle because I know that happens when you start thinking about it. Then you become more anxious. So just take in a breath, just breathe, and just relax. I understand the struggle. It's real. But just listen to this quote now. By a powerful and revered and often quoted teacher of God's word who had his own struggles, Charles Spurgeon said this of his experience, Earth has no words that can convey the holy calm of a soul leaning on Jesus. Isn't that good? It is because it's true. Jesus is the word, and the best way we lean on him is by understanding his word, becoming fluid with it, and processing what it means to you. A favorite scripture verse of mine that puts everything I've just said in perspective is this, the Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 103, 19. Every anxious thought is overruled by the Lord's rule. There it is. Bottom line. How can I ever truly live in anxiety when I understand that this is what matters most? He rules. That's what his word tells me. And thirdly, what matters most is our faith. To be specific, rugged faith. You know, as I see the things that are happening in our day, I feel a need in myself for more development of rugged faith. I have faith, but I'm choosing and praying for rugged faith, a faith that won't be shaken as we proceed forward in what has the hallmarks of the last days. Listen to this quote by Mark Batterson. When did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. That playing it safe is safe. 
Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. The will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a daring plan. The complete surrender of your life to the cause of Christ isn't radical. It's normal. It's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Wow. Doesn't this quote challenge you to rugged faith? It does it for me. To be done with sissified faith, fragile faith, to forget about yourself and your struggles, to live a life on fire for Christ, to go out, mock one with your hair on fire. It sure does this for me. It just so happens. I'm also reading in Daniel chapter 3. And actually, I've just been hanging out the last few days in Daniel chapter 3 because it's so inspiring. And it's actually one of my go-to inspiration passages of scripture. Whenever I need to remember what matters most, my faith, rugged faith. The backstory for Daniel chapter 3 is the Jews are being held captive in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is king and Babylon is a world power. And Nebuchadnezzar rules with an iron fist, wanting everyone to bow to him. At this time, he has an 84-foot tall gold image erected for all to see, which, by the way, is equal to an eight-story building, kind of hard to miss. And at the sound of a flute and other music, all were to fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever didn't, death by fire would be their sentence. And so it happened after the decree went out, it was reported to Nebuchadnezzar that there were Jews who didn't bow and worship the idol. And he became angry and in his rage ordered these Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to stand before him so that he could personally question them. How scary, can you just imagine, to be questioned personally by the king over disobedience? But you know what? They had rugged faith. Listen to their answer. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter Ooh, can you just imagine the king's face right now? But they continue speaking. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. This is Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18. Do you see why I love this passage, why it's so inspiring? And so the enraged king ordered his most valiant warriors to tie up these three faithful Jews and throw them in a furnace that has been heated seven times hotter than necessary for the job of incinerating people. Nebuchadnezzar actually needed the most valiant warriors, probably because no one else would go on a suicide mission like this for something like that. He knew and was willing to sacrifice valuable warriors. And so as the three Jews were thrown into the fire, the fire killed the valiant warriors. And I have to say this, this story isn't a metaphor. I know some people like to think that it is for hard times and hot times, but it's not a metaphor. The fire was real and the death of the warriors proves it. And then 
The miracle is witnessed. The king sees the three men still alive, walking around in the fire, but also a fourth man walking around with them. And the ropes that were tied around them are gone. They are walking around in the midst of the fire, probably arms swinging. They weren't tied up anymore. They were free. This is a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus. He is the fourth man in the fire with those faithful Jews who had rugged faith. And this is the thing that gets me. They could have walked out at any moment. Obviously, they were free. But it was better to be in the fire with Jesus than anywhere else. Jesus changed forever what fire means. Let that sink in for a moment. You know, I've been there. What I considered the fire being heated seven times hotter, but Jesus was with me too. He changed what fire means to me also. And I was keenly aware that I was in the sweet spot. Even though I would never want to experience that fire again, there is a little longing for that special way that he walked with me when I was in the fire. And I was just speaking with a friend the other day who's in the fire right now, heated seven times hotter. Actually, it's been 87 days and counting. And we shared our mutual understanding about being in the sweet spot of the Lord when you are experiencing these types of situations and life hardships because he has the power to change what things would ordinarily mean. And if you are in the fire just now, needing some inspiration to bolster your faith today and to develop real rugged faith, you must read Daniel chapter 3 because it is the best. I really feel like it's the crown jewel in scripture. And I'm ending this podcast now with these last words. If you pursue What matters most, you can be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or like the believers in the Acts. And I can guarantee you'll be the one who says, oh, that thing, oh, that situation, that struggle, yeah, that doesn't really matter anymore. Those things won't matter anymore when you know, understand, and choose what matters most. So God bless you, friends, and I do pray that you make it your most fervent prayer to choose what matters most each and every day.